For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. Yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast on the left, babe. Go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape, put it in your brain, and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left, it's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast on the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Ugh, a whole week off. Ugh, I can't even believe her. Do we even broadcast anymore? Jeez. Ugh. Jeez, a loo. A whole uh-huh. week? And not talking into a microphone? Oh, you talked, but you did talk a lot, though. I screamed. Yeah. For five <laughs> days. Yeah, absolutely. Of yeah, course. You may have talked actually more than in the microphone. Brutish, brutish, muscular woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did, I'm trying to get the, my my teeth around the words brutish and muscular big old woman are you vince mcmahon trying to cast another wrestler <laughs> let me are you saying brutish or brood-ish Ooh, interesting brutish uh, she was kind of well she was regular right she didn't even care about a lot of things she did stare eating pears a lot we'll get into the how much fucking pear eating happened in the oh story oh my goodness but, uh, yeah brutish and muscular i view her as brutish oh, i got That's my kind of gal. Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben hanging out with Marcus and Henry Zabrowski. 
the most brutish Ooh. man in podcasting. I got a couple of Bordens right here. <laughs> oh, my. Yes, indeed. Well, it is nice. It is an audio medium, but you always do act out when you kiss your tits, just so Marcus and I can see it and really be in the mood. I actually yeah. want you to, these are more excitums oh. than boredoms. Indeed. What a little nibbler they are. Okay. Today's episode, people have been clamoring for it yeah. for probably for like a decade. Yeah. You guys got the emails, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. We are so excited to talk about, oh my God, there's an hex involved. <laughs> Lizzie Borden, part one. She did it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, well, Scratch uh, that uh, from the record, Judge. Scratch uh, that from the record. Getting ahead of yourself there. Getting yep. ahead of yourself. Yep. The Lizzie Borden axe murders are without a doubt one of the most infamous crimes in our country's history. America's answer to Jack the Ripper in terms of a brutal crime scene. A melodrama of deadly Victorian spinsters and miserable old misers. A mystery for all time. She cool. did it. She did the crime. <laughs> okay, Henry, once again, we have a whole... We have you're two right. series. Oh, you're right. Big you're thing. Big thing. Yeah. Two you're two right. episodes. You're right. right. Yeah. But of course, no piece of media on Lizzie Borden would be complete without a recitation of the schoolyard rhyme recounting the murders, which I would hazard to guess is most Americans' introduction to true crime when we are but we huh. tykes. And I will tell you, I have seen how much documentary footage about Lizzie Borden this week and the two books that we also read to the, the, the to create the spine of this episode. Uh -huh. And um, each one starts with the rhyme. Oh, yeah, so we have to contractually do it. All right, I want to hear this rhyme. Make it pretend like I had friends growing up. <laughs> true oh, crime God. voice? Do you think true crime voice? Please. All right, all right. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. 41! Yes, that's what you fucking got. But you know what? Because last podcast on the left... We always add something to the conversation. Sure. Right. Yeah. We're always a part of bringing true crime, new stories out of the world, old stories refreshed, refurbished. Like, who can't wait to see where Willy Wonka came from? Absolutely. Can't fucking wait for it. <laughs> well, the Oompa Loompas, how'd he get those? Fuck it. Who cares? Who cares? But what we decided but to do. But she was on a plane with Epstein. I hate, I, yes. Honestly, if Willy Wonka, of all fictional characters, probably was on Epstein's plane. Okay. <laughs> but I decided I want to write my own poem. For Lizzie okay. Borden. And I'm really? just, this is all workshopping. All right? Because we're trying right, to so this isn't perfected in any way. This could just be a colossal nightmare is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. All right. Let's Here we go. It. Should I do true crime right. voice? Sure. 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 I mean, hey, do it's Nancy your Grace. poem, man. <laughs> do Nancy Grace? <laughs> Whatever. Dealer's choice. <laughs> Lizzie Borden is so ratchet, she killed her stepmom with a hatchet. Woo! When her peepaw shouted who, she split his forehead into two. Let us look at the documents. Wow! <laughs> Congratulations, Henry. You are a poet now. And Lizzie Borden, the, the famous poem, has a second half that nobody ever talks about. What is it? Yeah, it that's true. Verse. That's true. It really so, does. So, so I wrote a second verse to my poem. <laughs> All Fall River thought she the culprit. She was vilified from the pulpit. The townsfolk was sure she was a witch, but she's just some... <laughs> But she's just some, some regular bitch. Regular bitch, bitch sure. Well, there you go. I can't believe, you know, it's just like, how did he ever rhyme witch with bitch? How did he come up with that? That's unbelievable. Try it. Very good. Now, while neither Lizzie's stepmother, Abby, nor her father, Andrew, received anywhere near 40 wax, both were certainly killed with a short-handled hatchet very quickly and very Whoa. quietly 
in a terribly brutal and messy manner. As a result, the Lizzie Borden case was among the first nationally known American true crime stories in the modern mold. This was not the Wild West escapades of Billy the Kid or the train robberies perpetrated by Jesse James and his gang, nor was it even the bloody benders of Kansas. Mm. Instead, the Lizzie Borden case, in both motive and coverage, could more accurately be compared to true crime cases like the Menendez brothers, or to a lesser extent, in that everyone had an opinion on guilt or innocence, Casey Anthony. Yeah, and that's why I got a new babysitter for my stupid baby. His name is the Grim Reaper. <laughs> well, he's not yeah. going to be. And now give me a television pass. Yeah, we'll get you a television show very soon. I do want to point out that Marcus did manage to shoehorn in Billy the Kid, and I am proud of you. <laughs> hey, man, it's contemporary. Billy the Kid was like 10, 15 years before this. He was one of the first big American true crime stories. Sir, I take umbrage. That was not a shoehorn at all. Okay. Whoa, no shoehorn. The shoe fits. But the difference here is that unlike Casey Anthony or the Menendez brothers, where the conclusions are cut and dry, i.e. they did it, <laughs> there is still, nearly 130 years later, great debate as to whether or not Lizzie Borden actually did the deed. To be fair, I think it was cut and wet because <laughs> of all the blood. <laughs> the blood. Yeah. To that point, as we explore this case, two things will become apparent. And these two things are pointed out by author Bill James in his fantastic book, oh. Popular Crime. Any fucking student of true crime needs to read Popular Crime. Awesome. But let's go through these two points. First... It is nearly impossible to see how Lizzie Borden could have committed this crime. Okay. Second, it is nearly impossible to see how anyone but Lizzie Borden could have committed this crime. This is what I'm saying. <sighs> this is what? what I'm saying. <laughs> Hold gonna, on. You, you'll see, right? There's a very there's a small window of opportunity. We're going to go through the details of the case. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about the trial and how sensational it was and how crazy it was. But this story, every historian... That approaches this story because mm. this has the same kind of gravitas as Jack the Ripper, as any other of these, these these perennial like now famous true crime stories that like first of all shows that we've always been obsessed with true crime. Absolutely, right? oh, every yeah. society loves true crime. And, always, but every single historian is like. I am going to solve this. And not only do they think that they're going to solve it, but much like Billy the Kid, they all have emotional investments mm. deep inside of the Very Lizzie so. Borden story. But right. It's especially the people that own the Lizzie Borden house bed and breakfast that continues <laughs> to operate to this day. Yeah, man. I want to go so fucking bad. I oh, yeah, want no. that. It's actually on our vacate, like future vacation list. Forget it. What a world. Lay on the couch, man. All right. Yeah. So this is kind of the true crime version of President Bill Clinton uh, arguing like what the word is, is. Mm -hmm. So that's what's Maybe. happening here. Is Maybe. it like that? Well, I, well, no, because it really, you know, we'll get into the details. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into the details, but it really is like it's impossible either way you slice it. Okay. Now, outside of the analysis of the case in popular crime, we use two other books in research for this series. The first, and probably the best, is The Trial of Lizzie Borden by Kara Robertson. While the other, also beautifully written, I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from it, Whoa. is The Borden Murders by Sarah Miller. These are both very good true crime books. I mean, I must yeah. ask, from a listener perspective, it seems like these books have more high praise than our usual book. I mean, obviously, we always praise yeah, the books, but these books seem to be pretty good. They're just great true crime books. Okay. And it's also just a great fucking story. Awesome. Now, to understand the Borden murders, the local reaction to the crimes, and the public's attitude towards Lizzie, you've got to understand both the time and place in which these murders occurred. Whoa. Whoa. Traveling back in the... 
I ought to not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> wow. That's right. That's Did really you really said Bill yeah. Clinton? That was going through it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, that was yeah. awesome. So we're in the 90s now. We're the New York yeah. Knickerbockers. We're named after pets. <laughs> okay, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're getting there. That's All right, it's a basket. It's a, we don't cut a hole in the basket. Perfect. <laughs> we're basketball. The scene was 1892, Woo. Fall River, Massachusetts. At the time, Fall River was the third largest city in the state, and the Bordens were among the most important and powerful families in town, standing alongside other highfalutin clans like the Bratons and the Durfees. And the Durfees invented <laughs> sucking your own dick. That was, that's why it was called the Durfee for so long. Wow, isn't that something? Andrew Borden, Lizzie's father, was tall, Gaunt, severe-looking, and extremely cheap, despite being one of the wealthiest men in town. Did every town need a rich old miser? Or is that just yeah. every story we've ever covered ever? Where it's just like, there's always a man with the big cheek yeah. beards, right? Because he had the big cheek beards, <laughs> hanging in crunches up, being like, I'll tell you what I know about business. Like, he's like a little Ebenezer <laughs> Scrooge Jr. Yeah, I don't know if every town needed one, but it seems uh, like every town had one. Yeah, we yeah. will yeah. be flinty and hard as a stone. <laughs> Well, Andrew Borden started his career as a cabinet maker who also made coffins. Sweet. But such was his reputation, amplified after his death by unscrupulous journalists, that it was rumored that he chopped the feet from the dead to fit the corpses into smaller, cheaper caskets. <laughs> yeah, man. I, mean, I can't. You know, my people deserve respect. Um, <laughs> at I, some point. At some point. At some point. How big are we? How yeah. big is this coffin going to be? We're also looking at man hours for digging these graves. Every fucking six right. inches probably adds a couple hours of work to the grave digger's job, right? At this time period. Is there mm -hmm. any reason why we... Yeah, I don't particularly care. You can chop me in half and stack me Yeah, up. you're fucking dead. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, due to both his business acumen and his thriftiness, Andrew Borden was worth $500,000 in 1892 money when he died. Adjusted for inflation, yes. fifteen million. Nice. Also, now that I think about it, though, in case of a zombie apocalypse, he may have been on the front lines of saving the human race. Zombies without feet. Mm. Think about that. They so could you, get on you, their. They could stomp. Well, they could, but they would still be in pain, and they wouldn't be as fast. So I think we actually might need to get rid of all feet post death, just in case. Are you going to just be fixated <laughs> on this? Are, are you are you an inside man for diabetes? <laughs> Is it the idea that you want every person, every American, no. to shed their feet? No, but my friend was trying to warn me about my own lifestyle, and they sent me how Waylon Jennings died with no feet. <laughs> because of diabetes. That's really very scary. Yeah, he kind of lost yeah. his feet. Yeah, 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 that's a... yeah, because <laughs> you don't lose your feet. It's not like losing your shirt. You watch them go, and then someone yeah. helps yeah. come take them from you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't get to keep them either. Mm -mm. No, no. Mm -mm. no. It'd be kind of fun if you put them on your hands, and you're like, I'm, I'm walking with my hands. <laughs> yeah, it's macabre, but it is fun. <laughs> but even though Andrew Borden was one of the wealthiest men in town, he wore threadbare ties, and quote, this is a report from the time, Shockingly bad hats. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, big media. There's some hats out there, man. You've been yeah. surprised because, like, especially his swastika shaped dinner hat, there was no reason for it because at the time it was a symbol for good luck. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is the time of hats. Like, if you're going to be mm. a, a hat guy, this is the time that you want to live in. 1892. Yeah. Yeah. That's your stove pipe hat. There's well, also, a lot of hats going around. I believe at the time it was a proper gentleman had to wear a hat. Yeah, okay. of course, until Kennedy. But to be <laughs> fair... We see what fucking happened to him. Yeah, he should have worn a helmet. <laughs> yep. But to be fair, Andrew was known as courteous, industrious, 
temperate, a gentleman, an old-fashioned Yankee to the core, if a bit thin-lipped. Yeah. Hmm. Now, in keeping with his somewhat miserly ways, the Borden home was modest compared to Andrew's wealth. Modest is a very nice way of putting it. It was like the smallest house on the block. Okay. Yeah. 92 Second Street was a two-story home centered in the busy thoroughfare of town. The only luxuries? Central heating and a flushable toilet in the cellar. Cool. Yo, you tell me that's not, that's amazing. For back then, 1890? That is what you need. Yeah. At this point in time, running water was a pretty, that actually having running water in your sink, it was pretty common by this time. And electricity was around as well. Yeah. It was actually very cheap to just have a fucking shitter in the cellar. Like he didn't even build. Did they have electric cars too? (laughs) (laughs) Now this would have been just fine if Andrew lived alone or even with just his wife. But the Borden home was also full to the brim with unmarried daughters. Brutish, muscular woman. <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I actually think it's kind of refreshing to hear the humility of a very wealthy man just living in kind of a modest home. This is how you live, though, Kissel. I can see why you think that this is cool. But he had millions cool. of dollars. He had yes. plenty of money to do whatever he wanted. And at some point, what's the point of having the money if you don't live in any way, shape, or form that's above what primitive people are living, especially at the time? To lord it over people. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Well, besides Andrew and his second wife, Abby, the Borden home also housed older sister Emma, 41, and Lizzie, 32 years old at the time of the murders. Cool. Ooh, and based on inflation, that makes her about 75 years old by today's time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Damn. Okay. Wow. Now, this house was built in the old style with no hallways, meaning Mm. one had to walk through one bedroom to get to another bedroom, which Ugh. served to only heighten tensions in an already cramped space. Like, imagine, this is like, li- it's living in a railroad house, not a yeah. railroad apartment. And it's cool when everybody's 25 and hot, and then, you know, like, you got a job <laughs> together down at the shore, and then you have right, to come yeah. back, and also there's the jacuzzi, but then, then they have the jacuzzi, they can go out, and they can do yeah. all that kind of stuff, they can all fuck and stuff like that, but when everybody's just covered in lycra, and all the boneware that they had to do, and they all reek, and and then again, mm-hmm. it well, is probably just stunk two dumpy on Jer- daughters. They probably stunk on Jersey Shore as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, whoa, of, with, like, cologne and, and yeah. machismo. Oh, my Pame. God, I yeah. was at a bar and this gal sat down next to me and let me just say she was covering up something. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does happen. It's called a whore's bath. Okay. <laughs> now, that's certainly a trend in the airports lately is the uh, cologne in lieu of shower or changing well, clothes know, for days at a time. It adds layers to the human experience it's of a- you. <laughs> like you bring in a human experience. It's 4D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as I said, Abby was Andrew's second wife and was therefore not Lizzie and Emma's birth mother. Their mother was Sarah. She died in 1863 of, quote, uterine congestion and disease of the spine. All of these illnesses just sound so much worse than whatever cancers we have now. Like the idea of having a a spine disease. What does it even mean? Mm Mm-mm. They don't in know. In the bones? I don't, it's not good. Do you they, have a disease in the bones? Uterine congestion? Does it mean you have an old baby leg stuck in there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they got to get a traffic cop. Jump, That's honestly, all I know. You got to get the congestion out. Yeah, honestly, if you have the miscarriage and it just sits in there, right? And then it slowly, maybe you can build another baby on top of it. We're not doctors. I don't know. We're not, yeah. No idea. No, I don't think no. you can. I, I think you die. Okay. You don't build a baby. Well, out. all right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. I don't... <laughs> well, three years later, Andrew married Abby Gray, a short and plump woman of 37 years whose family was in dire financial straits, which meant that they very much welcomed the addition of a wealthy man who was willing to take Abby off their hands. Remember, this is yes. Victorian times. So 37 right, yes. years old, poor family. It's she's it was very much like in her in the cards for her to just die one day. Of course. And are you willing to just come and dress, bathe and feed a 60 year old man that will take care of you for the rest of your life? Right. That sounds fun. I can't wait for that time period. I mean, no, at the time he was also in his 30s. Like he was he was also like in his he was also in his late 30s. Oh, that's not bad. They all just look older. Yeah, these yeah. look old. <laughs> yeah, he was he was in his sixties when he died, but mm. then, but at this point, this is like thirty years before that. Um, okay, but yeah. she was described as grayish and unnoticeable. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. man, people yeah. were. Yeah. We think we're mean and now. Yeah. Her maiden name was Gray. Oh, oh. Mm. <laughs> that's what she gets. <laughs> Now, from what it seems like, Andrew married Abby basically because he needed a housekeeper and someone to look after his two young daughters. Because Lizzie was only three years old when her mother died. Hmm. As such, the Borden home was not one filled with love. Rather, it stunk of unhappiness, marked by the kind of tension that comes when three adult women ages 32 to 65 and a sour old cheapskate live in a relatively small two-bedroom house with little to no privacy. This oh. just sounds like a sitcom from the 1970s. And <laughs> I, 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 I wish it was there. I want to see this. Sounds like the waning moments of Hugh Hefner's life. <laughs> <laughs> Concerning Lizzie's relationship with her stepmother, there was never any violence between them or even threats of violence. Lizzie had once called Abby mother, but after a mysterious disagreement five years before the murder, Lizzie merely called her Mrs. Borden. Yeah. But simply, Abby and Lizzie just didn't like each other. Maybe they had one of those scenarios where Abby came down and like no, it's saw not. Lizzie they did not have sex with each other. I know what I'm saying. She teaches her how to please the boyfriend sure. in a way, right. and, then, <laughs> and then they kind of come together, and then it gets complicated. Yeah, because yeah. she's just chowing down on that well, fucking dick, and then all of a sudden the girlfriend's just there watching. The but unique, then she's yeah. supposed to want to eat her asshole. The unique creativity that comes from the Zabrowski mind, unbelievable. <laughs> 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 yeah, that is true. I guess of those videos, we never see what comes after. We never see like the next fight. day. We never see the next dinner. Because depends on They're who gets fine. the load. It depends on who gets the load. Sometimes they oh share it, and then you're like, "Oh, that's that's a family." <laughs> it depends. Yes, yeah. sure. <laughs> but Andrew, on the other hand, was reasonably well loved by Lizzie. While he didn't wear a wedding ring, he did wear a thin gold band on his finger that Lizzie had given him, which, of course, led to spurious rumors that Andrew and Lizzie had an incestuous relationship Ugh. that led to the axe murders. But as far as anyone knew, Lizzie never spoke ill of her father. Now, by this point in their life, neither sister seemed likely to marry. Lizzie was put in the spinster category after failing to snag a man by 22, yes. and Emma, Jeez. at 41, had long passed the Victorian marrying age. No, I know this also lends towards the idea that Lizzie was some form of secret lesbian, but I don't think every spinster in Victorian times was a secret no, lesbian. No, I don't think so. I think just some no. of them just looked at the dudes at the time and that they were really, they were yeah. gross. Many secret lesbians just married, yeah. you know? And yeah, they just, they just get, yeah, they just have kids. 
But since Andrew was so wealthy, neither Emma nor Lizzie had anything to worry about financially for the rest of their days and were, in fact, indulged a fair amount by their father, even if they had to ask two or three times before they got what they wanted. He was cheap, but with his daughters, he'd let the purse strings go a little bit. Sure. As such, both women lived the extraordinarily dull lives of Victorian women of leisure. There seem to be, or should I say, women of leisure. Leisure. Is it bad? I just don't know, man. It's just like you literally, if you read about this, we'll talk about like what Lizzie's story was of the day. There was so much pear eating. And talking about pears and being like, <laughs> and our pears were in season this year. Uh, yeah. Not like yeah. our neighbors, the McCunties. The McCunties, <laughs> oh, their yeah. pears were dry. Yeah, well, that's not the kind of pear you want. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Lizzie's life. Okay. What Lizzie busied herself with. Mostly, it was charitable works. She served as a secretary for the local fruit and flower mission. Cool. Okay. She was treasurer of the local Young Women's Christian Temperance Union. Yeah, there's some and, videos will be able to be shot inside of there. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and she was a teacher at a Sunday school for Chinese immigrants. Okay, but another way, she was a prudish square. Like she well, did temper. She was a functional part of society. She seems like she, she was did, doing okay. But I would say that I mean, that's what it is. She's a square. She's a square. She she's a square. A of- she's a Sunday school teacher, and she's a part of. The, do you know what a temperance union has been? I think they're non-alcohol. Yeah, they're yeah. yeah. They don't yeah, like yeah, 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 they No, like, I know. I actually the yeah. the Ken Burns prohibition um, documentary had. I had. I was screaming at certain people that I should have respected. Yeah. Well, you were. But looking- I also <laughs> understand the men were getting too drunk. You were hammered yeah. watching a documentary about prohibition. <laughs> When they throw out the booze, it's just when you see them throw out all the booze, it's just like, really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So mean. But while Emma and Lizzie usually got whatever they wanted, stepmother Abby had a lesser status in the household and was barely an entity at all. When she and Andrew were murdered, people had a great deal of things to say about Andrew, good and bad, but nobody had Anything to say about Abby. It's almost like she didn't exist in a mm-hmm. way because it was nobody really talked about her in any way, shape or form. They didn't really mention her outside yeah. of the house. They didn't really. She just kind of putzed around. It's kind of a real question here. Like all the descriptions of the Victorian era are gray, unnoticeable, as you guys sure. said. Do you think it's because the world was gray? There's no color TV. Like everything. Like did people just not have creative imaginations? Did they not even? Yeah, like, of course they, they did. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Here, yeah, Oscar Wilde. There are people who like had imaginations of the time period there are painters and writers and poets but i think largely people weren't having fun right and you're also talking about like these are the upper classes that we're talking about here we're talking about the wealthiest of the wealthy like the people that were you know working in the factories and shit like that like they did not live like this this is not their life no they worked until they died they worked until they died we're we're talking like upper crust like horrific, like just people that are live very proper and things are the way they are. Uh, and going outside of that is that how there was a whole book about a woman who fucking killed her. The awakening you know, the yes. woman who fucking walked yes. into the sea and killed herself because oh, she couldn't spoilers. handle. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> like, it's like 40 years old. It's like 120 years old. It's a, yeah. It's a hundred. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. People considered Abby's murder more disturbing than her husband's because, as author Sarah Miller put the attitudes of the townsfolk, Abby wasn't worth killing 
because there was no angle to her murder. Jesus. So well, because this is about so talking they about motive. See killing Andrew. Like they could see like they could see killing Andrew. Like, well, Andrew like might have had enemies. He was rich and so on and so forth. But why the fuck are you gonna kill Abby? Why are you gonna kill this woman who is of no consequence to anyone? So if you if you're Abby, you're like Thank you. Thank I guess you. I get to live because I'm not worthy of being killed. I'm worthy of being killed, damn it. And she did. Ugh. Yeah. But even below Abby Borden was the family servant, an Irish Catholic named Bridget Sullivan. Bridget was called Maggie by the Bordens because their previous servant had been named Maggie and Abby didn't want to learn a new name. Yeah, oh, dude. my God. But that's this what, is, that's what Marcus's grandfather did with his dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right? easier with a dog. Yeah, shadow, yeah, right? with shadow, with shadow, shadow, yeah. shadow, shadow one, one through four. Oh my, that makes God. sense though. But for dogs, the thing is, Not really, this is a story that we'll get into more so next week. But there's a lot of anti-Irish racism in this story. That's yeah. really interesting because this is about the rise of the of the Irish coming to America because it's also the first time we had a bunch of Irish cops. They were doing like there was all this like weird yeah. shit. Like the, the thing about the, the Bridget Sullivan thing is that she was from Ireland and okay. she came and did like and they looked down on the Irish as swarthy, dirty <laughs> uh-huh. um, like penguin people like people That's for great. the, the half thoughting half thinking troglodytes okay. but it's not so. We know now thanks to science modern science we know now that the irish think just as fast as everyone else uh-huh. i'm happy that you stopped that conversation where it can oftentimes See, I go did good. I, I did good. now as far as previous crimes at the borden home went there was one daring daylight robbery wait a minute you called the irish swarthy they I'm are saying the opposite said, of swarthy. He's full time, of lies, Marcus. Do you know what swarthy means? At the time, they thought of them as so swarthy. Because compared to Victorian English people, they're swarthy. That's what I would put I'm it. not even sure what they swarthy means. They live under the ground. They lived in tunnels under the ground in subterranean worlds. And I'm they worshipped sure. trees. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long do time you, coming. Do you, but do you know what it. swarthy means? It means you're all full of it. No, it means dark-skinned. You called the Irish, the palest people on earth, you called them dark-skinned. Black Irish. All right. You know what? Let's just just move on. Shall we? Yes. None of us know what that word means. Hearsay. I I mean, Marcus does. I know you, Marcus. New York Times, the author. Yeah. You wrote jokes, okay? Now, as far as previous crimes at the Borden home went, there was one daring daylight robbery. The year before the murders, Andrew Borden reported that the house had been burgled in the middle of the day when everyone was at home. The thief picked the lock on Andrew's desk with a nail and got away with $80 in cash, $25 in gold, Abby's gold watch, and a couple of horse car tickets. Now, the robbery was never solved, but it was rumored that the horse car tickets were traced back to Lizzie, which prompted Andrew to shut down the investigation. She was a little bit rumor. 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 There's rumor, but there, there is some rumor that Lizzie Borden was a, she liked to do a little Winona Ryder style. She would take a little like, bit. Okay. thieving for fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then, in the spring just before the murders, the Borden barn was broken into twice, and a flock of pigeons were stolen. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> How the hell do you do that? You gather them up. <laughs> They're in cages. You get it. You gather oh, them, and you course, just carry yes. the cages away. Great, got you. It seems like a very loud burglary, but no, that's okay. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Another rumor is that Lizzie kept the pigeons as pets, and Andrew beheaded them <gasps> as punishment. 
for some unknown transgression, which prompted the murders. But you know, these are a lot of stories that kind of also came up in the Menendez brothers trial, right? These types Mm -hmm. of things where the story tried to come up, trying to find a motive, trying to find why would they kill? Why would they do it? Yeah, this is just one of many made-up stories you're going to hear over the course of the series. Every journalist in the country tried to create any motive, no matter how ridiculous, to try to explain how someone like Lizzie could kill her parents with an axe. Sick rift. No stairway. Fuck yeah. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. Now, the days and weeks leading up to the brutal murders of the Bordens held a few strange occurrences that either have nothing to do with the murders or everything to do with the murders. I feel like we're talking JFK again. Yeah, (laughs) deeply confused. First of all, elder sister Emma Borden had been out of town for an extended period of time. That meant that the witness pool had shrunk considerably. But she was also considered an agoraphobe that had never really left the house up until that point. And then she randomly huh. kind of decided to go visit friends abroad for a certain mm-hmm. periods. Very, that's very difficult for someone suffering with agoraphobia. Yeah, and so it's almost like she was getting out to help set up either her alibi or the fact that she'd been planning this shit. Whatever. Okay. We'll get there. 
Then, on August 2nd, 1892, two days prior to the murders, in the highest heat of the summer, the Bordens took a chance on some leftover swordfish for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this might not be good. That resulted in the elder Bordens and Bridget the maid taking turns running backyard to vomit. Lizzie, however, was only lightly affected. They apparently had running food going on in the house. I guess that was very common at the time, where they had like a boiling pot of simmering mutton stew that mm. had been there for four days, right? Okay. So they were eating that up to until that started making them sick. Like and I guess that's how they know it's done. Well, and the mutton was like, after. Yeah. Oh, that was after? Yeah, the mutton was man. after the swordfish. Yeah. Hot ass old mutton, man. So they didn't really know <laughs> the proper way to store food at this time. Well, I mean, they, they didn't did. have it. They lived in an unair conditioned house. It was right. the summertime. Like, it's Ugh. just a fucking hot at. There was no fridge. There was no ice box. Ugh. Like, they're just eating fish that had been left out for a couple of days. Okay. And it's obvious that that was the culprit. Right. But Abby Borden was suspicious of her malady because Lizzie hadn't gotten anywhere near as sick as she and Andrew. Abby became convinced that they'd been poisoned. So she went to her doctor, Dr. Seabury Bowen, mm. to complain. Yes, yes, let's take a look. Let's take a look at your uterus. Mm, this must be removed. Nothing to do with it. <laughs> no. The doctor told her that it was probably the fish, but the night after the swordfish, everyone ate mutton. And again, everyone got sick except Lizzie. I mean, while Lizzie's just like, so I got a problem because I got trash can stomach. I've been building up. I've been building up a resistance to trash and gunk. It's possible she does. Honestly, look at you, Kissel. You never get sick. Never get sick. That's true. Replacing Emma's place at the table, however, was Lizzie's uncle, John Morse. Hmm. John Morse had traipsed into town unannounced the day before the murders. This oh. is just a message to our Zoomer listeners, some of your younger people. Um, there used to be a time when there was no such thing as like like a thing called like a texter or like yeah. any sort of Call. information anyway. People used to do this thing where they called visiting you. Oh my God. Where they used to Randomly? arrive at your house. They oh used to just God. come to your house and you wouldn't no. even know. They would just knock at the door and then no. they'd just be there. And like now, obviously, that is a social crime of the highest yeah. order. Oh, absolutely. But then that's how people arrived at your house. So you just yeah. wake up one day and then you hear a knock and then your then your uh, brother is there. Yeah, and, and then you have to feed him. You're like, mm-hmm. you ma- wow. you're made to feed him. Hmm. Yeah. Well, John Morris was known as a quote unquote horse trader, hmm. meaning he wasn't unsavory, but not necessarily trustworthy either. It's a lot of judgment in this world. A lot of judgment. That's all. It's Victorian England. That's <laughs> all it is. Okay. Or actually, it's not England. It's Victorian times, but it's America, which is more judgy, I would say. Yeah, I think so. We t- we well, t- we the English it. are pretty judgy. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah. Well, John Morse would stay the night at the Borden house in the guest bedroom the night before the murders, but would leave to run errands the next morning right before the murders occurred. There's got to be something relaxed to that. You got your big horse boots on, you got your pipe, and you got there, and you got, again, you also have a cheek beard, and then you sit by a roaring fire going like, so... Business. Um, how is it bearing? And then, like, that's yeah. fun. You could just come in and you eat somebody else's mutton. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Eating someone else's mutton. I've seen that video as well. So, this guy is kind of the Cato Kalen of the story thus far. <laughs> Very much so. He absolutely is. Yeah. The best slash worst house guest ever. Now, according to one witness, Lizzie had allegedly gone to a drugstore the day before the murders to ask an employee named Eli Bentz if she could buy 10 cents worth of prussic acid. Diluted prussic acid was used to treat a variety of maladies, but in concentrated form, which was how Lizzie was trying to buy it, 
Prussic acid was a transparent, colorless poison. Ooh. How does the poison, when you just make it less, not be poison and become medicine? I mean, if you drink uh, an entire bottle of booze, you'll die of alcohol poisoning. But if you take one Unless, shot... Or you become an outlaw country singer. Yeah, you lose your toes. <laughs> well, Lizzie said that she needed the prussic acid to treat a seal skin cape that had been eaten by insects. And prussic acid was indeed sometimes used to kill moths. But Eli Bentz, master of his own little pharmaceutical kingdom, said that he refused the request, saying prussic acid could only be sold under doctor's orders. Oh, now I can't sell you this medicine, <laughs> but I can remove your uterus. <laughs> Sir, this has nothing to do with that. <laughs> now, later, this supposed attempted purchase would be used to demonstrate that Lizzie Borden had a murderous mind especially when it was combined with the instances of the elder Bordens getting sick. And she very well may have had that murderous mind if she did indeed do the deed. Yeah, she did it. But she just, we <laughs> well, just she don't know, well, do we, Henry? We just don't know. But Eli Bentz only came forward when the Lizzie Borden story reached a fever pitch. And it's possible that he mistook Lizzie for someone else. Oh. Another brutish, muscular woman. <laughs> Could be. The wife of a police inspector later said that around this same time, she went to that same drugstore to test Eli Bentz on whether he would illegally furnish poison to a customer without a prescription. And she was indeed refused. Same Good. exact story that Eli Bentz said happened with Lizzie Borden. So it could be that Eli Bentz confused his Victorian ladies and just wanted to be a part of the story. You know, during the opioid crisis, we could have used more Eli Bentz. <laughs> The fact that he actually said, no, I'm not going to sell you this thing because it's going to kill somebody. Yeah. He, yeah, he did. He did try. That's but good. It, good for him. But again, we will see. After the fact, a lot of people joined in because, oh, Fall River. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be a part of the story so much. And they really, like, and they to this day, they love being the well, center of the story. You know, it's the third biggest city in Massachusetts. Was. Yeah. Was. Cool. <laughs> But concerning Lizzie's supposed murderous mind, she certainly had violence of a kind on the brain before the killings. The night before the murders, she visited her friend Alice Russell and told her that their milk had been poisoned, which is why her family was at that moment horking in the backyard. This is the first time they all ever had a group hork after a fucking five-day dinner? I guess so. Yeah, you I hope it doesn't happen that much. Lizzie also, very coincidentally, I might add, told of the previous daylight break-ins, a shadowy figure she'd seen mm. skulking around the back of the house one night, okay. and an argument she overheard her father having with an unknown gentleman over a rental property. But this is Lizzie's story. Mm. Right, well, so no, Lizzie's like, actually, and he this must is... have been some form of Portuguese. <laughs> uh -huh. He's some kind of Portuguese man. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe yeah. an Irish person. Could yeah. be. This is what she's telling Alice Russell. And she added that she was afraid that somebody would do something to her father because he was so discourteous. You know to how people. my father's a fucking asshole? Yeah, actually, don't, it's just so weird that <laughs> you told jerk. me all that. He's a jerk and everybody hates him. And I know. It's because crazy. I'm the yeah. king. Because I'm the. 
president of the everybody hates my dad society. Yeah, it's just so weird. You just told me all that random shit I didn't need to hear about. Yeah, write it down. Yeah. Use the times. <laughs> the right, time stamp so you know, it. Okay. Yeah, when all that happened. And here's my schedule for tomorrow. This totally makes sense. Yeah. Would you say I'm brutish? No. <laughs> Thank you. Unless being brutish. Uh, also, yeah. Nothing wrong with being brutish. Yeah, come on. Absolutely. Takes all types. Now, if one is inclined to think that Lizzie did it, then this very much sounds like she was laying the groundwork to place the blame of a murder elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And as it was, the murders did indeed occur the morning after this conversation with Alice Russell. Hmm. Now, the timeline for the Borden murders is muddy, if only because the events surrounding it are so mundane. In mm -hmm. short, Lizzie Borden said she spent the morning of the murders ironing handkerchiefs and searching for lures in anticipation of a fishing trip that wasn't even going to happen until that following Friday. Well, it's like it's made up because she said that she spent her morning being like, I had my handkerchiefs and they were all sorts of wrinkly and I was yeah. like, mm, this is bumming me out. I need these to be perfectly straightened so I could hork my fucking mucus into it. That's for certain. Right. Oh, well, oh, I got some iron somewhere in the fucking shed. I guess I'll just go root around in the shed for an hour and a half. You never know when fishing's going to come. You never know when, yeah, it was a spontaneous I did exactly 1045. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not a made-up day. It's just a regular day for a woman with nothing to fucking do. True. I mean, she really did wander around the yard just picking up pears from the pear tree and saying oh that one looks nice and nice putting one. it back down that's oh. how that one dude discovered fucking gravity so let's not uh he was a scientist newton yeah. newton <laughs> that one dude newton but the, I, I hate pears <laughs> what do you I mean love you pears. hate pears i hate do you pears hate oh i, pears I like pears. a stewed pear Oh, just eat a fucking pear, bro. Hate such pears. a fucking fancy boy. Such I don't fancy, like no, pears. How did you become such a fancy boy growing he up in fucking He's always Queens. been a fancy boy. I know. He's the know. most fancy pears boy Pears are Queens. fancy fruit, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Bananas no, but, are for uh, the people. But oranges are for the people. You don't even like pears. No, pears are not a fancy fruit. Pears, pears are, are a fancy fruit. We could do this mm. all time. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google. I'm gonna are Google. Are pears a fancy fruit? Are pears? You think that Google has the fucking answer fruit. for that? I want to see what it says. Are pears a fancy fruit? What are fancy pears? The pear no, is the, the prince of fruits. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Listen That's to this. People are saying right here, it's called the prince of fruits. This is where we want to talk about the dangers of the internet, right? <laughs> so if you ask a very pointed question like that, you will get the answer that you want. Yeah. Exactly. Here's the Prince of Fruits. You just need to know when to eat them. That's what they're saying here. Like, oh, that's you don't talk about how fancy is that? There's only a tiny window to eat them. Yeah, you just got told what you because you just were always fucking Googling fancy things and your computer knows that you want to see fancy shit. So it tells you that, yes, pears are fancy, Mr. Fancy Boy. Whatever, man. Whatever. Literally the death I of journalism. You just, you just proved why journalism is dead. <laughs> <laughs> At least I served a purpose today. <laughs> well, really, we don't have a solid idea of exactly how the murders happened or even exactly when they happened. What we do know is that at about 11 a.m., on August 4th, 1892, Bridget the maid was washing the windows outside of the house when she heard Lizzie cry out in horror. Oh, oh no. She must have found a bad pair. Oh, fuck, I hate these bad pairs. Oh, no. Lizzie said that father was hurt and needed the doctor. 
So while Bridget ran to fetch Dr. Bowen, a neighbor named Adelaide Churchill spotted Lizzie in distress. She must have ran into some bad pairs. <laughs> she asked what was the matter, and Lizzie said, quote, Oh, Mrs. Churchill, do come over. Someone has killed father. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Immediately. Churchill asked where Lizzie's stepmother Abby was, and Lizzie replied that Abby had left a note saying she'd gone to see a sick friend. Lizzie also quickly added that father must have an enemy because the milk had been poisoned the night before. I saw him come and he had a little cane and a green top hat, and he said something about his precious coins. Oh, you're, you're referencing Warwick Davis in The Leprechaun. Is that correct, Lizzie? Yeah. You didn't even know that movie came out, did you? Whoa! It's a hundred years from now. Warwick's a fine name. Yes, it is. Warwick Davis is a fine actor as well. Give the guy a little bit of fucking respect, would you, Hollywood? Yeah. Well, soon, Dr. Bowen arrived in a carriage and entered the Borden home. Lizzie told him that her father had been stabbed or hurt, then took him to the sitting room where she'd first found the body. What Bowen saw was Andrew Borden's corpse, lying on a sofa sideways with a face so smashed that Dr. Bowen didn't recognize him. Oh. As Sarah Miller put it, his features were a pulp of chipped bone and razored flesh. He seems Ooh. to be kind of hurt. You need he to does. get a Band-Aid or something. Yeah, he really does, doesn't he? Quote, one blow sliced straight through the nose, lips, and chin, while another dented the forehead, split the left eyeball in two, and carved the cheekbone in half. Slivers of bone were missing entirely, while others were driven into Andrew's brain. In all... The murderer had opened a gap two and a half by four inches in the left side of Andrew Borden's skull. He must have forgot his hat or something because there's a, <laughs> there's a hole there now. Yeah, maybe you a know? slip. Was it a slip and fall? He must have fallen. He must have down. fallen, yeah. Holy, I have never heard of someone's eye being chopped in half. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It was a vicious. That's the thing, too, about the nature of this crime. The true crime, the, the crime scene photos that come out about this is that his fucking, it's very similar to the O.J. Simpson, like, style of murder, where it's a rage-based, his right. fucking head was completely caved in by Oof. either, which we, up to debate, is it a brand new axe? Well, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was described by one police officer as raw meat. Yeah. Oh, God. Now, as far as where Lizzie said she was during this most terrible murder, she said she was in the barn looking for a piece of iron for a fishing sinker. You never know when you're going to end up at a lake <laughs> yeah, with your poles, with a bunch of all your girls, sure. and big boats. You so want to be prepared. You yeah. got to always have them on you. Yeah, makes all this. What a great alibi. But she returned to the house when she heard a strange noise. And that, she said, is when she found the body of her father. Now, contrary to later reports of coldness and eerie calm, Lizzie Borden was actually quite upset immediately after finding her father's body. But there was another, more disturbing question that took about 30 minutes to even ask. Where was Abby Borden? No one even thought about her. This is the truth. <laughs> no one even brought her up. And then finally, well, Mrs. Church there. Mrs. Churchill did ask, like, ah, where's 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 Abby? Is, is she where's around? Abby? But, yeah, but then they immediately forgot about her for another like half hour. That's the wife. Yeah. That's this the is, wife. Yeah. This the is step, the wife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The stepmother. Okay. Well, Bridget and Mrs. Churchill decided they couldn't wait until more police showed up to look for Abby. So they began searching the rest of the house, knowing full well that the murderer might still be in the home. This is 
11 a.m. Yeah, in broad daylight in one of the busy and not one of the busiest section of town. Yeah, they're right off the main street. It's a tiny house. Didn't have so, that on my 1892 calendar. <laughs> really good. Really good. Really good. Also accurate because I don't know if they played bingo yet. No, maybe not. No. But then he was in the, the idea that this man was hiding on the ceiling. Like he was like I don't know what the where do you think this guy was like he was Lionel Richie like this is the thing yeah. like you can't just go where was he gonna go where was he gonna hide well let's get into it okay the murderer whether they were already miles away or sitting downstairs was done with their grisly business for the day Mrs Churchill crept to the top of the stairs peered through the spindles of the railing and saw a thick black pool of drying blood I got blood here. Uh Abby Borden was found upstairs in the guest bedroom on the other side of the bed, lying face down in a puddle of coagulated blood. The coagulation was key because it told investigators that Abby had been killed first. Must have been another pretty catastrophic slip and fall. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, someone's got to stop leaving all these piles of jelly everywhere. Yeah, Lizzie (laughs) seems like a lot of... Crazy murders happen in your house. Yeah, it does seem kind of suspicious or whatever. It's just a little suspicious. Arm wrestle me to see if I did it. (laughs) Come on. Come on. All right. Now, when Abby's body was turned over, it was found that while her wounds were less gruesome to the eye, she'd actually been the victim of more blows. 18 Mm. whacks. Shit. All to the back. 14 on one side of her head, four on the other. Again, Sarah Miller. The cuts in this cluster were so near to one another that they had effectively become crushing wounds, smashing shards of bone into Mrs. Borden's brain as though she'd been clubbed by a blunt instrument. The bleeding was so profuse she was soaked halfway to the waist, clear through to her underclothes. Even the canvas backing of the carpet on which she lay was saturated with blood. To be honest, when I first saw her there, I thought she was just sucking up a bunch of berry juice that was on the ground, (laughs) and I didn't want to interrupt my sweet stepmother, who I hated. Yeah, that's another totally valid excuse. Now, when Abby was first found, part of her body was wedged under the bed, making the corpse not necessarily easy to miss, but not necessarily hard to see either. And while she had no defensive wounds, the position of her injuries suggested that she took at least one whack while facing her attacker. Well, because, you know, when you get hit with an axe, right, a chunk, like let's say she got hit in the back, you got to pull the axe up out for the second blow and then they turn around going, oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's the thing, though. Axe or hatchet. I'm thinking hatchet. Much more likely. Axe just sounds better in a nursery rhyme. Well, that's, but that's why I updated the poem. Yeah, that, <laughs> and, I, and I rhymed ratchet, hatchet. With hatchet. The yeah, hatchet yeah. and the axe are kindred spirits, though. Yeah. yeah. No, no, Twice. they are. Yeah. Just one, one smaller, one's larger. Yeah. I do own both, um, but I like my hatchet more. It's fantastic information. Help <laughs> Reach out to Carolina. Please, God. <laughs> She's very happy. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what he would say. Oh. <laughs> well, Abby had fallen to the floor during the attack with such force that there were bruises on her nose and left eye, and her arms were up around her face, suggesting but not proving that she was flailing and kicking on the floor as the final blows fell. Basically creating a lot of noise, which seems to be a thing that no one's really talking about. We'll get to this. Right. Quite possibly creating a lot of noise. Mm. 
Now, you'd think the house would be swarming with police at the first suggestion of a prominent businessman and his wife being so brutally murdered. But these murders happen to coincide with an annual policeman's excursion to a nearby amusement park. You gotta be so fucking most city me. cops, so most city cops were out attending vaudeville shows and riding the Ferris wheel. They had a set you, day where all of the cops went to the amusement park, right? Where they would go, all of the cops in town would go to an amusement park. This is real. And Except then they for a few. They, they a skeleton crew, the duds were left behind. Like, yeah, fuck you, ones. you're not going to the fucking amusement park. You Stay didn't at home. permission slip sign. <laughs> They were doing wheelbarrow races. They were playing tag full uniform. They were passing their guns around and, and trying them. <laughs> All right. They As such, most investigators didn't return until late afternoon. With funnel and, cakes and, and big teddy bears. And you shit. know they were fucking hammered. Absolutely yeah. lit. Oh, yeah. Only five officers. And like I said, the duds at that were in town to handle the massive investigation that lay before them. Now, first, they questioned Lizzie, but not to see if she'd done it. Rather, they wanted Lizzie to tell them if she'd seen any Portuguese men hanging around the neighborhood. It's the Portuguese. Just randomly just going to throw that out well, there. This was, a, this was one of those, we had fun race terrors throughout all of these time periods where like one new race that showed up, they'd be like, that's the new villain. And then they were yeah. like, this, well, this week it was Portuguese. That, that is fun. That well, is in fun. Fall River in 1892, the Portuguese were the first to blame, if anything, unsavory happened because being swarthy hmm. Roman Catholic immigrants because Portuguese can be swarthy. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. It made them suspicious to the huh. lily white Protestant ruling class. You look different from me. You're Roman Catholic. Therefore, you are capable of murder more than I am. We were yeah, really go. suspicious of a long time of any other race that could swivel their hips side and side. Like anybody that could like <laughs> that had an innate sense of rhythm. Sure. We did not enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Well, as such. Two Portuguese men were arrested in Fall River on the day of the murders, uh -oh. one for withdrawing his life savings of $60 and another for asking directions to New York City. For what, were, what were they arrested for? Because being it there. made it look like they were on the run. Yeah. Okay. Just being on there. You so know, just lazy is, cop work. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, it's, as as type. it's a part of our the fabric yeah. of our country. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But while police were questioning Lizzie, her uncle, John Morris, returned to find the gruesome crime scene, thinking that he was just coming back to have lunch with his brother-in-law. And I must be served lunch. I am visiting. Jesus. And I suspect <laughs> that there will be a full lunch mate, and there will be soup, and tobacco will be stuffed, and yep. I will be allowed to put my poor shit-laden boots somewhere inside your bathroom. Give <laughs> the guy a heads up, put a note on the door, just Nothing. be like, just so you know, when you come in, there's going to be a lot of blood and nah, stuff like that. Nah, yeah. no? Bro, no, bro. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. 
Ashley's Memorial Day mattress sale is going on now. Save big on select adjustable mattress sets up to $1,200 on Beautyrest Black, up to $800 on Purple, and up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic. Plus, get 72-month special financing with select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com for better sleep and savings. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. Now, in 1892, the idea of identifying criminals from hair, clothing fibers, or even fingerprints was unheard of. Fingerprint identification wouldn't be used in the United States for almost another 20 years. Hmm. 1911, that's when fingerprinting started in the U.S. Therefore, evidence that could have easily led the investigation away from or towards Lizzie Borden was overlooked, destroyed, or completely unidentified. It's said that if the Lizzie Borden murder had happened, like, say, any time in the late 20th century, we would know who did it immediately. Well, it's because it was such a brutal crime. It was a very brutal murder. So obviously there would have been something left behind, but who knows? Did she have any? Mm. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it seems like the person that did it would be covered in blood. Mm. Well, we're gonna. That's gonna be okay. a big oh okay. fucking. We're gonna call that a sticking point. That's, that's a sticking stick point. point. Okay, yeah. great, good to know. The thing was, Lizzie was cognizant enough to know that there was something in the house that could be seen as evidence against her. Hmm. She pulled Doctor Bowen aside and told him that she'd been menstruating, yeah. and as such. There was a pale crazy. Of, What's uh, going on with me, Orin? Please, yeah, I didn't mean to tell about you. It's okay. Yeah, I'm saying, okay, it might be a suspicious amount of blood came out of me. I'm talking like <laughs> about a gallon of a menstrual blood came gallon. out of me, and I think some of it had a face. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for telling me. I just again, I'm not know. a doctor. I just work at the gas station. Yeah. So, thanks for that. <laughs> It is well, just shooting out of me. I got that. Thanks. <laughs> well, because of this, there was a pail of blood-stained menstruating cloths soaking in the cellar. Okay. Now, one could say that these bloody rags were not menstrual towels, but rather the implements used by Lizzie to clean herself of blood after the murders. Hmm. But Lizzie Borden was also very much menstruating. Nice. And it was common practice. <laughs> sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. That's awesome. That's sweet, man. That's a metal. <laughs> And it was common practice at the time for ladies to soak their menstruation cloths in buckets in the cellar. Sure. It's sure. not weird. No, no, no I'm not saying it's yeah. very good. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, though, it was the timeline that placed suspicion on Lizzie. So let's take it step by step. Okay. After gathering all the pertinent information, police speculated that Abby and Andrew Borden, still suffering from illness, ate breakfast with Uncle John Morse at 7 a.m. At 8.45... Morse left to visit relatives, and Lizzie ate breakfast alone shortly after. At 9.15, Andrew left the house to go about his business, while Abby told Bridget to wash the windows outside. Which also, we want to do this clue style. Bridget was super upset because she was forced to go clean all the windows, which is extremely heavy, hot work to do and of course the, they on the her, hottest day of the fucking year. And of yeah. course, they wouldn't even refer to her as her own freaking name, yes. no. which at some point must be demeaning and you must get really fucking pissed off. The suspects okay. yeah. are everywhere. By 930, Abby was upstairs in the guest bedroom making Uncle John's bed. Oh, make your own fucking bed, Uncle <laughs> John. There, she was struck by 18 blows <gasps> and killed. Now, Abby Borden was a woman of stout stature, and it stands to reason that a 200-pound body hitting the floor would have made some noise. Yeah. But 
neither Lizzie nor Bridget saw or heard anything. Especially hmm. a Victorian housewife getting stabbed to death with the fucking axe, right? Because I think she'd be going, ah, ah, that's my impersonation. Or perhaps no, you're so in shock you actually don't you don't maybe, make any sounds at all. Absolutely not. The fur because they say that the fur remember it's from the back. Like if right. someone walks up to you and sinks an axe into the back like, of your uh, head, you're not gonna fucking react at all. Like, I don't know, but maybe if we did a hundred dollar Patreon tier, we could maybe try it with one of our incredible listeners, <laughs> sure, just to see what it what it comes out to. It's a great yeah. suggestion. Don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> no, don't do it. Yeah, please, no, don't do it. Again, the only way you get we on haven't the show, set up the tier yet. The, we haven't. The only way you yeah. get on the show is if you find an alien. Mm-hmm. Please, yeah, stop. yeah, that's it. We haven't. And you know what? We still haven't gotten any fucking takers on Six Flags on us. It's a million we, bucks. We, it's all. That's us. all it is. And then we provide parking and lunch. <laughs> well, ten forty five. Over an hour after Abby had been killed, Andrew returned home to find the door had been bolted from the inside. Oh. Bridget then rushed to unlock the door and uttered a colorful exclamation. Pshaw! What does that mean? <laughs> Pshaw? Yeah, Pshaw is what she said, which at the time meant like, God damn it! Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's the thing back then, like, you know, it's the whole thing with like Deadwood. Like they did not say fuck that much. They would right. everyone would have been dad gummit. Yeah. Um, and so on and so forth. Gotcha. Come Sarnet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this Pasha elicited laughter from Lizzie, who was descending the stairs. <laughs> this is important. She was descending the stairs from the front landing, which lay opposite <gasps> the guest bedroom where Abby laid dead already. Okay. Andrew entered the house and went to his bedroom, passing by that same guest bedroom without noticing his dead wife inside. Nobody even looked at her. Nobody <laughs> cared about her existence in any way, shape, or form. It's like prison when you walk by a cell. You're not supposed to look into it because yeah. you never know what you're going to see. But this yeah. is a family and it's just kind of sad. You normally yeah. would see them. You should see them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was said that they all pretty much lived separate lives. Sure. But Andrew then came back downstairs and did ask Lizzie, where's Abby? And Lizzie said that she'd gone out after leaving a note. Yeah, she said something about like these two guys who came Uh from Brazil that were going to go down to the (laughs) fair together. They're going to get where the cops are. You know how they love all the (laughs) Portuguese guys. Sure. And I'll run trade on her. So bizarre. I didn't really read the note. Just really bizarre. You're telling me that. Andrew then went to the sofa and laid down for his morning nap, while Bridget went back outside to finish cleaning the windows. Uh Sometime between 1045 and 1145, the assailant attacked and killed Andrew Borden, again without anyone noticing. Then the mysterious assailant seemingly disappeared into thin air. But the one thing that's also, again, weird about the state of the corpse when they found it is that if he was there taking a nap... Why were his boots on? Well, you take a nap in boots. Yeah, you can take a nap in boots. But not at the time. At the time, mm. you undressed. This is the thing. This is the mm. one of those little sticking but, points. On the other hand, Henry, there was also no signs of a struggle. There was no signs of anything. He yeah, like really he tired. might have known his assailant and mm. didn't see it coming until all of a sudden she was like, and here's time for your end, Eddie. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like even if I know you, but if I saw you with an axe, I would be like, okay. What's up? You know, Unless like, I was running real fast. I'm the fastest yeah. man within 10 feet. You, I'd be a blur to Before you. your planters like were silver. Yeah, That is true. And this whole house is like 10 feet from end to end. It's tiny. Yeah, okay. And here's where things start to go sideways. 
See, Lizzie, by all accounts, was extremely upset after discovering her murdered father. So, to calm her nerves, Dr. Bowen shot her full of morphine, but oh also gave her powdered caffeine to keep her awake so the police could question her. Yeah, because you, know you know who's the most reputable person in all history was John Belushi. Because if you were on a speedball, like, all you can do is speak the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. See, when officers began questioning Lizzie in earnest after putting together the timeline, she spoke in a calm and collected manner without the least sign of agitation, sorrow, or grief, or any particular urgency towards catching the perpetrator. In other words, she was high as fuck on morphine. Yeah, she was high as fuck. Okay. And she's like, oh, fucking law. You just tell me where I could get a cheeseburger. I'm just, I know it doesn't exist. But I've been thinking about this idea of a burger. It's called a burger. This she came up with the hamburger, huh? Maybe looking at her father's cocaine and morphine. Wow, maybe looking at her father's face reminded her of ground meat. Mm. Well, the other thing about Lizzie is that she was an emotionally flat person by nature. She was a bit of a dud. Now, she was distraught sometimes, <laughs> like when a description of her father's injuries were read during an inquest, and she cried until she threw up. Unless it was an act. Yeah, unless it was I mean, an act. cry until you throw up. That's pretty pretty good acting. I job. could throw yeah. up right now. I'm sure. Yeah, you. but other times, most likely when she was shot up full of morphine, she was so inscrutable that the press described her as a sphinx. Which, for the most part, that was Lizzie's baseline personality. Hmm. Yeah, she. Like most people in these situations, oscillated between shock and composure, dealing with her grief in a way that was specific to her. Of Lizzie, police officer Philip Harrington said, quote, I don't like that girl. Under the circumstances, she does not act in a manner to suit me. It is strange, to say the least. It doesn't really matter if you like her. We're trying to figure out who killed the, the Abby and, uh, and her dad. If I could, I'd take her over my knee and I'd spank her. I'd remove each stitch of her clothing and I'd wash her first. That's, and then I'd spank her cop. and then I'd, I'd play with her feet. Yeah, you're a horrible. And I'd keep her in a cage until horrible. she died. Yeah, horrible police officer. Um, but I also think that it's amazing how through yeah. all history, this has been one of those things that has come up again and again in these true crime stories of like, yeah. she's not acting like... She's that anything's wrong. Like this idea yeah. of like questioning your your way of yeah. grieving. I'm not sure what her personality. I I don't know if it means more or less when it comes to her ability to do something like this. It doesn't. If you were like a super chill person, like do you just do this? Mm-hmm. She's just flat. Maybe or you still or you. It sits inside because yeah. then there's a lot of people who said she had a temper. That was the thing that kept coming up. She had a temper. She, well, she used to do some, the, the people who said that she had a temper aren't necessarily the most reliable of people. We'll go through a lot of these things that people said about Lizzie Borden on the next episode. Is there a single honest person in Fall River? <laughs> it's the third biggest city in the state. <sighs> yeah. But on the other hand, I don't necessarily blame investigators for at least suspecting Lizzie in the murders, because to believe an outsider came into the house to commit the crime, you had to believe an increasingly unbelievable series of events. And these are as laid out by Bill James in Popular Crime. You had to believe that the intruder entered the house unseen and that he murdered Abby Borden in an excessively violent manner without making any loud noises or attracting the attention of two other people in a relatively small house. And you've also got to put this in the scene. You've got to put this at 9.30 in the morning in a busy thoroughfare. Absolutely. But if Abby Borden happened to have had some form of mystical gold coin that belonged to an entity <laughs> that would show up yeah. and he'd be like, uh-huh. I see you've got me gold. Like, 
Then I could see how. I'm just so happy you you didn't follow in your father's footsteps and become a cop. <laughs> I oh, mean, how many, how many crimes can you blame on leprechauns? I just keep I just keep arresting the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> this is an Irish crime. Mm-hmm. We also had to believe that Abby Borden's body lay in the house for at least an hour, if not two, before anyone noticed it, and that the murderer himself remained hidden in the house that whole time without anyone seeing him. And honestly, I you see you see the position of the body. Her feet are hanging out um, in front of the bed. Like she was visible if you looked in the room. The body was moved. The body in the crime scene uh, photos was moved. That is not where the body originally was. Okay. Additionally, you had to believe that this assailant murdered Andrew with the same amount of violence, again without anyone noticing, and that this mysterious assailant left this house located in a busy neighborhood, covered head to toe in blood, yeah. and carrying a big bloody hatchet. Because the murder weapon was never found. Whoa. And that's up to debate. We'll talk about that the next episode. Okay. Finally, the note that Lizzie said her stepmother left, saying that she was going to go visit a friend, was never found. And that is, in itself, extremely suspicious. As to why Lizzie said that. It's very right. difficult to be like, because she was in the house the whole time, except when she was like, fish, fish, oh my dish. <laughs> like she was just in the other thing, just like, because like, that's the only way you could imagine that she didn't notice anything is that she's so simple. Right, because that's kind of feels like th th there's one of directions that the her defense ended up going, being like, "This simple woman couldn't possibly come up with this plan." <laughs> meanwhile, she's right. just like, "Yeah, I don't know what anything is." You know, like meanwhile, she was w well aware of things. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's also the equal improbability of Lizzie's involvement in the murders, and it all comes down to one word: blood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've seen the documents. <laughs> See, if there's one thing everyone knows about axe murders is that they're generally messy affairs. I don't think so, yeah. 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 Well, with the extreme amounts of blood splatter. It's all the stabbing and the axing and the splatters. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you, it's not just one axe wound here that we're talking about here. We're talking about 14 on the father and 18 Jesus. on the mother. Deep, deep wounds that completely destroy and mutilate entire heads, human heads, full and of blood and brains. you get a good chop on the dad, right? You get a good chop, it fucking sinks into this head, right? So then you have to... You have to pull it up yeah. out. You have to hit him again with it, right? So you're 14 also, times? But you're yeah. looking at the blood going up, right? The blood goes mm -hmm. up to the ceiling. Right, like right. They, they always talk about that's where they look for. They look for the, the it's the exit wounds. It's how mm -hmm. it pools, which is also weird that the mom was all, con all the, the, the gore and shit was concentrated underneath her. Very which weird. seems she might have immediately dropped and then she was stabbing and stabbing. But even stabbing. then you would see some, some uh, splatter. Well, concerning Abby, Lizzie was seen by Bridget after Abby had been murdered and Lizzie was completely free of anything even resembling blood. Additionally, she was seen almost immediately after Andrew's murder. And again, no blood. Weird. Now, some speculated that she wrapped herself in sheets to protect her clothes. But unless she had completely mummified herself, then hidden the rags from investigators for days on end, she would have at least had blood on her face, hands, feet, and hair. I also think, though, when it comes down to it, I want to see these menstruation rags. 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> isolate, I will miss isolate the audio. We'll get to it in a second. We'll get to the menstruation rags in a second. There's also a suggestion made in a 1975 made-for-TV movie starring Samantha from Bewitched, cool. Elizabeth Montgomery. Okay. That Lizzie committed the murders in the nude, then mm. washed herself <laughs> and quickly redressed before calling down the maid. You know? Oh my God! Uh, that's plausible just... for me. Uh, we are, uh, now this, that's plausible it, for me. Uh, it might be plausible in the age of modern plumbing. This is 1892. The only running water in the house was the flush toilet and a weak spigot in the cellar. Both of which, they, okay. And let me ask you for a second. Think about how much of a mess you made. When you had to clean up just corn syrup and food coloring after a murder fish show. True. How much of a mess did that make in a sink with modern plumbing? True. It does make a mess. Unless it depends on because they each room had the clean water dish, right, that you'd use to clean up before and after dinner. So it is possible that she did it in her room, created the mess, then dumped the water, brought it in. So they did have she did have access to water inside of her room. I would argue that you would have, even if you had just dipped your hand in blood, I would argue that it would be near impossible to clean that off using just a water dish. But think about how little attention any of these people paid to anybody else. Everybody was up their own fucking ass. So when you're all walking mm -hmm. around, they're all living these separate lives. No one's really looking at busy. Bridget's already fucking mad because she's been she's been profiled by the family, right? Because she's just out there going like, I'll tell you what happens when my home country, we made a unicorn president. Like, you know, like she's oh. doing all this shit from, and she's grumbling <laughs> and shit. Course, so yeah. she's not Chat. really caring about what Lizzie's doing or what anybody's doing? I don't know. I mean, think of the, of course. think about okay, think about those wounds. Both heads were completely shattered with great force, yeah. meaning chunks of brain and bone would have found their way at least into Lizzie Borden's hair. But her hair was completely clean of anything both times she was seen and her hair was completely dry. It was okay. completely put together in the Victorian style. Mm -hmm. Maybe oh, I'm just on. really lonely, man. But you, when you said she was naked, man, that was like that's kind of hot though, too. But <laughs> you're yeah, still stuck on it. Well, yeah. No, hey, because you're thinking, thinking of you're thinking of naked Elizabeth Montgomery. That's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, furthermore, speaking of the nudity, this is a Victorian Sunday school teacher and member of the local temperance league we're talking about here. This is the very definition of a prude. This is not someone yeah. who is likely to even think about traipsing around the house nude in broad daylight. That tracks for me. Absolutely, of course. But then I feel like there's just a way to do it where you just, you know, again, give me the rags. Yep. Mm -hmm. Let me see these rags. Well, there's a lot more bushier back then as well. So perhaps that uh, that had something to do with it. And so she could just pull it up over her. <laughs> she could just pull it over her head and she could protect everything. Yeah, like, it. The, like the uh, cousin from family uh, from, uh, oh my goodness. Adam's family. Adam's family. <laughs> The other thing is that Lizzie also couldn't have gone through the house to clean herself up between the two murders without Bridget seeing Lizzie through the windows that Bridget were clean, was cleaning all morning. Right in the line of sight. There was a, we'll talk about the trial. Bridget said that she was talking to some other maid for a period of time where she walked away mm. and commiserated with some maid like it was fucking Wilson from Home Improvement. Well, and they were, they were all bitching about how everybody hated Irish people and then she came back. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just go through a timeline of what yes. Lizzie would have had to do in order to do this completely clean People seeing her in between the murders and people seeing her immediately after Andrew's murder at okay. most 10 minutes after Andrew's okay. murder. Okay. She would have to murder Abby naked 
Cool. Sneak past Bridget, covered in blood from head to toe, dripping Sexy. blood the whole time. Awesome. Clean herself up, including washing and drying her hair. Go back, clean up all the blood that she tracked down to the basement. Huh? Get redressed in a cumbersome Victorian outfit to be seen by Bridget again. Then she has to get naked again, murder her father. Clean up again. Get redressed again. Do her hair again. Wash and dry her hair. Then you're left with an impossible time crunch. The practical example Bill James uses. Go to the kitchen. Empty a bottle of ketchup all over yourself. Your face, your hair, your shoes, your clothes, everything. Bill James is weird. Then, Bill James is fucking he's yeah, fucked up. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> I love him. Then... Go see how long it takes to get yourself back to clean and dry, even while using a modern sink and shower. You'd be hard-pressed to do it under an hour. I agree. I honestly, I really do agree because it is strange. But I also wonder, is there a way to have put, like I've seen in movies, I don't know if people do this or not, like put a pillow over the dude's head and then fucking hit him with the axe. Well, where's the pillow? But where's the pillow? Like, that's the thing. The how the the cops like turn this tiny house, turned it upside down for days on end and looked through Again. the entire thing top to bottom and found I blame nothing. the franchise villain, the leprechaun. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. But the other scenario in which the Bordens are basically murdered by a ghost for no reason anyone has been able to figure out in 130 years no is nearly as implausible. There's no motive there. Besides just random, like, I understand random. But Lizzie also doesn't have a motive. Well, I feel like it's kind of like when I go home for Christmas and I'm, I, I explain to Natalie, like, like just beware of my mom's psychological games. If and your then, mom like, dies the, over Christmas, though, <laughs> all of this will be used against of you. Of course. Yeah. But no, yeah. but I'm saying that when Natalie comes back, she's just like, your mom's fine. I don't, I don't know why you think she's playing all these psychological games. I was like, I know the cues. I know. And so it's like within a family. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But I'm saying that within a family, there are things that build up over time. I think that you can kill somebody just because you don't like them. I don't think you can. She's more, this, right? this is more of a therapy. That's more of a. That's, that's more real. of a She's to not. Your are you seriously going to blame it on the menstruation? <laughs> menstruation. You're, what are you an 1890? You're an 1892 lawyer. That's exactly what they tried to blame it on in the trial when they tried you know, to fucking prove that she was guilty. Again, Jesus we are Christ. not lawyers. We are not doctors. <laughs> oh, I'm she's on the rag. That's probably why she fucking killed I was, him. That is a satire angle of mine it's satire okay. angle i see but she's mad she could have gotten mad she could have gotten mad sure are you gonna say anything like i don't trust anything that bleeds for five days and doesn't die you want to say that you said that you want to okay. say that you want to go for that he said that uh, <laughs> i but, love menstruation but, great yes we all have a good attitude towards menstruation here Absolutely. we really do uh but there's but <laughs> But the problem I'm nine that, years old. I'm a nine year old. No, like, I mean, I'm not just having a good time. I love it. Yeah, I know. But the problem here is that you know this crime takes an insane. If Leslie Borden did it, right. it takes an insane amount of premeditation. It takes, yeah. and that's the other. Like it takes an insane amount of premeditation. She also would what? She would fucking risk doing it while her father, while her uncle is in town. That he's gone for the morning, and she's gonna say like, well, "Today's the day that I do it." She's gonna risk it while Bridget is there. She's gonna risk all of these things. And the other thing is too is that she doesn't have like she doesn't have a motive really because she lives a comfortable life. She had plenty of money. She had a lot of her own money too. Like this is a mystery. It's why it's a fucking yeah. mystery. Has anyone ever yeah. suspected John? 
the brother. Uh, so well, maybe get to, I'm, I'm maybe actually about to get to okay, that. I'm, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm actually about to get to that. But no, it's great. it's all, the whole thing with like means, motive, and opportunity. Like to sure, you know, quote, quote Bill James once again is that he does a great breakdown of means, motive, and opportunity, and that it's a great investigative tool, but as a prosecution tool, it's actually fairly useless because the way he puts it is that he has the means, motive, and opportunity to buy a watermelon. Does he have he the can means? Do whatever he wants. But yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, does he have the means? Yeah, he's got five bucks. Does he have the motive? Yeah, he likes watermelon. Does he have, sure. have the opportunity? Sure, they sell watermelon at the supermarket around the corner. That doesn't mean that he bought a fucking watermelon. Gotcha. Unless he has a watermelon. Unless he's holding The thing is, the two parents are still dead. <laughs> That's a good Somebody did okay. it. Right. That That's that the true. watermelon. Yeah. yeah. Now, when word got out about the murders, the people of Fall River swarmed to the Borden home, and by the next day, over 1,500 spectators had gathered at the scene to see what they could see. Hey, honey, you want to go fuck up a crime scene? Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I brought all my extra horse blood. We could just kind of spray it all over. Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> and of course, the newspapers turned everything up to 11 immediately, speculating that Jack the Ripper had come to America just four years after he'd escaped capture in London. Wow. But since Lizzie wasn't named a suspect for a while, the newspapers took it upon themselves to announce that John Morris, Lizzie's horse-trading uncle, was the main suspect. Ooh. It was reported that Morris had appeared in town unannounced the day before the killings without any belongings and had stayed in the room where Abby Borden was killed. Plus... One of his early jobs had been as a butcher, meaning he was comfy with blood. Just because, again, that's more watermelon talk. Was the idea of like, just because sure, you're a but- butcher doesn't mean you love blood. You just are used yeah, to blood. Sure, good point. Yeah. And so, this being 1892, the townsfolk, upon seeing John Morse in the street, they formed a mob and called for a lynching then and there. <sighs> they needed television. Great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. They really did. Thankfully, though, this mob was stopped by two police officers who had been assigned to John Morse just in case this very thing happened. That's how common it was. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just a bunch of people. people. Good work, human race. Forming a posse must have been the funnest afternoon you could have in the 1890s. I remember when people used to form a posse to go watch Friends on Thursday night. (laughs) We used to watch Lost. We had our our Lost posse that we watched Lost every week. It was wonderful. Were you happy with the end? Yeah, I was fine with it. I don't okay, know why, what everyone bitched so much about. It was, it was actually I was fine. I too. Great. Yeah. Now, there was one suspect in the stranger category at the beginning. A pale young man spotted by a Borden family friend, Dr. Benjamin Handy. <laughs> you don't want to know how I got my name. I'm about to get a house visit from Dr. Handy in our hotel room. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. <laughs> Well, according to Handy, this young man kept his eyes fixed on the sidewalk and walked nervously on the morning of the murders. He's just a writer. Yeah. Yeah. When this young man, identified as Mike the Soldier, was questioned and released, Dr. Benjamin Handy began accusing every stranger in town. (laughs) Just picking him out. He's got to do give him one reason or another. Of course, nothing came of it because Dr. Benjamin Handy was fucking crazy. I miss yeah. my time period, man. I really miss my time period where my skills could have been the most effective. Because I definitely Henry been Handy. Like, that would that's the name you want. He did it. Like I'd be really good at being like, <laughs> there oh, he God. is, the fishmonger. That's the fishmonger. That's what that's what happened in Salem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You would have been killed. I don't know. Unless you keep, you got to be in front of the pack. Ah, I see. You always got to be the guy pointing, so you're never the guy getting pointed at. You yeah. got to be the witch finder. That'll uh, work out. In, in no way will that backfire. Never. No. Ask, ask Charles Manson. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But theories bounced around Fall River so numerously that all manner of suspicious characters were arrested under the flimsiest of pretenses, including a man who claimed to be the son of Andrew Borden and a mental patient. But all of them were ruled out. Mm. Then, this again being 1892, a medium named J. Burns Strand traveled to Fall River and claimed that Andrew had spoken to him from beyond the grave cool. and had demanded cool. that he travel to Fall River so he could arrest Lizzie Borden, her uncle John Morse, and, quote, the man at Westport, whoever oh, that I'm, may have been. I'm getting something. I'm getting something here. Fall River. It's the third largest city in Massachusetts. <laughs> Someone's been reading a tourist pamphlet. <laughs> Psychic? Now, most people were still pretty hung up on John Morse, with one newspaper saying that he teamed up with a man wearing a ragged beard, possessing shallow gray bloodshot eyes. Hey, man, some of us are tired, okay? Some of us are stoned. But then Morse proved to have an airtight alibi. The people he went and visited said he was here. People saw him on a streetcar. John Morse absolutely could not have done it. Yes. All right. From Morse, they moved on to Dr. Bowen, the first man on the scene. It was rumored that Dr. Bowen and Lizzie were lovers, but as it turned out, the rumor had been started by Lizzie's stepmother four years earlier because Lizzie and Dr. Bowen had dared to go to church together one Sunday. I only wanted to see her uterus for removal purposes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wouldn't that make her father immensely happy if she found love? Only until the day they are married. You know what I mean? Like, they can't just be hanging out. They can't just do the thing yeah. where, like, oh, you know, I don't know how I feel about Dr. Bowen. Yeah, it's not how it works. She's yeah. in her 30s. Okay, whatever. But on the other hand, Dr. Bowen did engage in suspicious behavior. When police found the bloody towels in the cellar, Dr. Bowen... Let me see these. No, stop (laughs) sniffing. No, don't eat them. You're licking them. You're licking them. Okay. Dr. Bowen explained to them that Lizzie had been menstruating, so there was no need to investigate the towels further. Don't look at the towels. They're menstruation towels. Don't look at them. With a big broom, like, you know, like it's just sopping up a whole basement floor of blood. Just Just like, (laughs) you wouldn't even believe. She is called to me, honestly. We call her... The greatest whale I've been searching for. The mother whale of my whole time. The gush of Fall River. <laughs> I just want to see these fat cops just... L- the looks on their face when they talk about menstruation. Oh, yeah. like, oh no. Like, they were especially squeamish about menstruation. I'm like sure As soon as were. Dr. Bowen said, she's menstruating, they're like... It's a totally natural thing. No, they took his directive immediately and were like, all right, we're not touching those things. Okay. Well, even more suspicious was the fact that a torn note was found. <gasps> Quite possibly the note that said that Abby had gone to visit a friend. Quite possibly the note that would have unlocked this entire mystery. But while police were in the process of reassembling that note, Dr. Bowen told them that it was of no importance. No importance. Absolutely none. And threw the note scraps into the kitchen stove. Oh my goodness, I feel like the doctor and the lady may have been in it together. This is what I'm saying. And then also her sister was also mysteriously not in town. Okay. So once all the other options were exhausted, police had no choice but to turn the investigation towards the two people who had actually been at the scene of the crime. Bridget Sullivan and Lizzie Borden. This is straight from Clue. It really is. 
Now, Bridget Sullivan was considered the more likely suspect because she was Irish Catholic and she was a servant. As investigators put it, servants were a sly and lying class. Uh, so you see, she's the most likely suspect for racist reasons, yes. you see, because yeah. it's racism, blatant on our and part. And classism. And classism yeah. is blatant on our part. Yeah. Nah. And even though an axe was a man's weapon, working class Irish women were known to be capable of swinging the implement to chop wood or behead chickens. If it was an Irish murder... It would have been done with the food. Oh. It would not have been yeah. done with a crime or technically I mean, I a, could, a, an IED. I could see Maddie or Bridget. I could see her poisoning the family. Sure. sure. What do you mean with the food? I love Irish food. We know. No, I know. I'm just saying if it stays old. If it gets, <laughs> if it gets old. If it gets old out there. Yeah. I, like, I like some Irish food. Well, yeah, sure. Normally Irish things are done oh, with explosions. Like you like. Yeah, the food in Dublin was great. I had little sandwiches. Mm-hmm. But by Lizzie's own statement... Bridget had been outside cleaning the windows during the murders. Plus, she had no motive other than Abby never remembering her name. And there wasn't a single shred of evidence connecting her to the crimes. Additionally, the story Bridget told was straightforward and never changed. She cleaned up after breakfast, washed the outside windows, let Andrew into the house, and went inside to lie down when Lizzie called out in horror. Same thing every time they asked her. So, suspicion finally fell on Lizzie Borden, both the most likely and least likely suspect. And that's where we'll pick back up for the conclusion to our series. Hey, better, I'll tell you what, these cops better check her Mozilla. I don't know what (laughs) that means, but all right. Casey Anthony reference. Yes. I see. (laughs) Mozilla. Yeah, if she had, yes. If she had, uh, Firefox. Yeah, Yeah, Firefox. Yeah, if she had Googled, like, how clean up blood fast, then yeah, that would be Definitely a bad thing. But back then, the only Google they had was a bent bugle. Oh, isn't that? They couldn't do anything with that regarding information. Absolutely not. Another home run from Henry Zabrowski. Thank (laughs) you so much. Google Google was a, it was a, a bent, bent bugle. bugle. You get Doesn't it? Really even cause, make cause sense, Google and bugle. No, you did. Actually, it was a very good poem. It was a very, very good poem. Thank yeah. you all so much for listening, Lizzie Borden, Part One. I can't wait to hear the end of this story. Holy hell! I didn't realize how fucking brutal these murders were. Yeah, dude. Um, thank you all so much for supporting us. We just saw, you know, thanks for you know just saying that you like the show and stuff like that. With this, what was this? Uh, the Spotify, like what's the Spotify the, rap, like the spy. Every year they're like, we've been spying on you too. Like, it this is, is weird. What you've been listening it to. is weird, but. It's also fun, and I'm glad that they're out there. And you guys, we want to thank you so much for the support you yeah. guys given us all year. We're so excited to continue on into 2022. We got yeah. a couple of dates left this year, though. A couple? We got like 34, bro. Oh god, yeah. We got nine. We got nine dates. We got nine dates left this year. Very, very excited. Yeah. Uh, seeing coming to you, Portland. Can't, Can't wait, wait to be in Oregon again. And then um, we got Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, we, we got, got Seattle, we got Boise. Vancouver, we got Boise, Idaho, uh, we got Birmingham, and we got New Orleans. No, we New usually Orleans. do New Orleans in December. So yeah, Please. New Orleans in December. Go to lastpodcastontheleft.com yes. for uh, all the tour dates for the rest of the year to yeah, see if, if we're if you're in the Pacific Northwest or the South, we might be coming near you. We just might. And also check out, we got our documentary that uh, Kissel and I are part of uh, yeah. called Fresh Meats on Tubi by Jeffrey Dahmer. We did our best. Uh, they did yell at us about doing characters. And but I'm, they, they me called it Fresh Meat, which is kind of funny. I know. They said I couldn't do characters, and you have to understand how often I did break into character, and then be like, oh, you know, I wish you'd stop that. And then I'm like, well, you, you brought me here. Yep. Um, I'm doing it's my best. talking head work, Henry. Yes, it's, I not, my best. it's less performative than you think. I am an actor. 
I know you are. <laughs> uh, then we have our soul plumber. I check a soul plumber. Yeah, yeah soul plumber. Issue in- three should be coming out soon. We got a second pressing or a second pressing, second printing of Pretty. issue one uh, out there. So uh, yeah, if you've missed issue one, yeah, check it out. And issue yeah. three is gonna be coming out soon. It gets fucking nuts. Yeah. Issue three is the action issue. Yeah, I'm excited. Ooh, and H Bone and I are also. I think it's called Behind the Monsters or something. Yeah, like on, that Shutter. on Shutter. So check yeah, that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to keep on supporting all the shows here on Lost Podcast Network. Thank you all so much for your support. Yeah, uh, no and uh, no dogs. Yeah, no dogs in space. We. Uh, just finished our five-part series on the Velvet Underground, so Fucking if you've dope. been waiting, thank you. So if you've been waiting for the whole thing to be over and done with before you listen, it is now up and available wherever Fantastic. you listen to podcasts. Fantastic, and of course, uh, check out Top F for all the insanity of the political world. We talked about Liberty University a little bit today. Ooh. Believe it or not, it's totally fucked. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Yep. Again, just thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Can't wait to see you in Oregon. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hugging. Magustalations. Help me. Don't kill your father. Don't kill your stepmother this weekend. And then you're better than maybe Lizzie Borden. Lizzie yeah. Borden did it. I still say no. she did it. I mean, We're going to get there. Well, We're going to talk. No. I'm kind of on Team Henry, but it goes I'm, back and I'm, forth. I'm a, I'm, no. I'm, We're no. going to solve it, though, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So we're the I, final. I, we're finally the one piece of media that will solve it. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely and least likely. See you next week, everyone. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Moneymaker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited-time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details.